Hello, everybody. Welcome to Optional Opinion. Welcome to part three of the Breedy of Video Games Volume 5. I'm your host, Eddie V. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hopefully, you guys have been enjoying the podcast, enjoying the writings and everything. But I have a special guest for this episode. Now, I've been podcasting him for probably for like a year or two on uh, different places and stuff. And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy him. I have been on his podcast. I have been on another podcast called the Skyward cast with, uh, Joey and my special guest. Everybody, please welcome the one and only from the Devon cock, the Devon Cox experience. Sorry about that. <laughs> Where everybody be like, wait, what? <laughs> yes. The Devon Cox experience. Everybody, please welcome the sir, the guy, the one and the only, Mr. Devin Cox. Hi. <laughs> What's up, man? Eddie, how you doing, man? This That's been a hell of an intro. Thank you for having me on this podcast. This is awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for agreeing to come on. This is the first time Devin is coming on. I have been on his podcast many a times and yes. just definitely enjoy having conversations. Um even when I talked about uh, Christina Aguilera and hip hop, and there was just a big, <laughs> yes, it was a big, not controversy, but a big discussion. And it was nah, just us being friends and brothers and family and just making fun and mocking each other like friends do it, actually. That's all it really was. Yes. Which is, it was awesome and fun. A lot of fun. Yes. So uh, before we get um, more into this episode, Devin, can you actually, you know, give us a little bit of your gaming history? Um, tell us about the Devin Cox experience and what's going on because you have a Patreon. Yeah. Um, okay, let me start a little bit of my gaming history. I've been gaming since I was <clears throat> six years old, I want to say, <clears throat> which is funny. The first game I ever played was on ColecoVision. It was the Smurfs. Wow. Yeah, the Smurfs on ColecoVision. Because my grandfather had a ColecoVision in his house. And I, like, I, I, was, like I, said, I was six years old. And uh-huh. This whole gaming thing was completely new to me. And I was just amazed at the incredible graphics and how cool it was to play as the Smurfs. <laughs> I used to play this game all day. Well, I used to go to his house when he used to live in Orlando. I live in Miami, for those who don't know. But that was like my first real gaming experience. And I've been playing ever since then, like, I'm going to say my favorite game of all time probably is either Final Fantasy VII or Metal Gear Solid or The Last of Us. The Last of Us is my favorite modern game of all time. Mm, I love The Last of Us. That's interesting. I'm, I'm still having a hard time debating what is the best modern game because I have a list of them. Um, but there is a fight be, kind of between like Super Mario 3D World versus the last guardian those are good games i think when it comes to gaming everybody has their top 50s list but it's all really subjective and i think Mm -hmm. what you like is what you like and i think that it's important that we celebrate gaming in general because too often we as gamers sit there and i'm i've been a part to do this and like oh that game sucks that game's trash how do you like that but sometimes you gotta just sit back and just love the art of gaming and realize that these games have taken hundreds of hours to make just for our enjoyment. So yes, that is true. That is very, very true. So you got to kind of sit back and say, yo, this is awesome. Awesome. Yes. So break down the Devin Cox experience for our listeners. Okay. 
it's a podcast, but it's kind of more than a podcast. It's like an interview podcast. Think, how do you describe like Jimmy Kimmel? That's yes. the best way. It's like a Jimmy. It's like a Jimmy Kimmel type podcast where I sit down and interview people, but I ask tougher questions. And it's it's kind of laid back and relaxed, but it's a conversation. It's all about diversity, finding out what makes people tick, what makes them awesome, finding out about their different experiences in life, and what gets them through the day. It's, it's like a lot of interesting stories come from it. You've been on the podcast before, you know. Mm-hmm. That's why I met Joy Craig, my co-host of the Skyward Cast. That's why I met Chalfie. I met some of my best friends on that podcast, and I thank God. I know people don't like saying God, but <laughs> I do believe in God. But I thank God that I am able to do that podcast every week because it really, really means so much to me at this point. Yes. Yes, and everybody, you can check that on iTunes and other podcast apps. And now, tell us about this Patreon that you got going on. Yes, yeah, yeah it's, the Patreon is cool. It's an extension of the podcast in terms of you get it's only a dollar to sign up, and you get bonus episodes of the podcast. But you all, what, what I want to do that's kind of different from other Patreons is I want to highlight other people that I know that's been on the podcast. So, like, I have like. It's not just the Delvin Cox experience on the on the Patreon. You have the show called The Fire Brigade with me, which I don't even host. It's me, Chalfie, Joey Craig, Derek, who's D-Spin for those who don't know, and Erica. And it's Chalfie's show. It's Chalfie's baby. He comes up with the topics, and we just – it's called The Fire Brigade because it's – we throwing shots and saying crazy things. Just never know <laughs> what anybody's going to say. It's, it's really fun to do that one. Then, you know, I have the um, – the UK, the USA podcast, which I do with my friend named Ben, who lives in the UK, and we talk about, we compare and contrast the difference between the US and the, and the United Kingdom. And it's really fun to do that podcast because you find out so much of how different we are mm-hmm. and how similar we are in so many different ways. And like, you know, Ben stays in the, in the UK, so you wouldn't think that we have so much in common, but we actually do. Like, for example, me and him are both big Heat fans. So I can sit there and talk to him about the Miami Heat. He wouldn't know every player I'm talking about because over there in the UK, he watched NBA basketball. Oh, cool. So so it's really cool to have that kind of dynamic. And then also I have, which you probably should be interested in, I have called Delvin Cox Presents, which is um basically it's not me. It's me presenting a podcast, and it's free for everybody. I present a new podcast for people to listen to. So it might be something like your podcast. Mm-hmm. I put an episode on my Patreon that's free to everybody to listen to. They can find other people can find your podcast from there. Oh, awesome! Yeah, no, it's all about diversity. It's all about promoting people who don't always get that light shown on them, and that's what's the main goal of the Delvin Cox Experience. It's always about highlighting people that you may not know about that you might think is cool. Like, hey. This guy does this, this, this. This is pretty cool. It's like one week I may have somebody on talking about video games. Another week I might have somebody on talking about something completely different. I think that's one of the cool things about my podcast because it's so diverse. It's really cool to be able to reach out to so many people and have so much diversity in this space. That is true. Yes. I And everybody who knows me, like I always record like with different people different diversities you know um different ethnics and stuff and uh i kind of want to keep doing more of that like getting different uh different opinions from different people from just around the world because 
there's a lot that people don't know. And it's good. Yes. I feel like sometimes it's good to be educated by others just around the world about different cultures, different problems or things they've been through in life to to their gaming history or even just something that they love to do. It could be about music. It could be about um, cleaning, cleaning the house and just enjoying that. It's the writing stories. It could be about anything. And I just like, I love learning about that and hearing about that. And and then fighting over some games, but always giving our opinions about it. Oh. You know, it's cool to be able to do that, you know, and that's yes. one of the things I like about doing my podcast is the fact that it's so diverse and it opens doors for so many people to do their own podcast and have their own experiences, quote unquote, because I know a lot of people have kind of been inspired to start their podcast because of me doing my podcast. I'm grateful for that. Hey, yes. Well, everybody, um, like I said, and you probably read the title, but this is part three. We're going to be talking about the 80s and 90s villains and why we love them. Um, because I feel like we give a lot of praise to a lot of heroes between those sides. TV shows, wrestlers, um, you know, um, anime characters. Just all around the world, whatever. We love TV series and all our favorite somewhat quote-unquote nerd things. But, you know, I don't think a lot of them wouldn't be what they are if they didn't have, for some people, some iconic villains. Or just, like, villains that is so bunkers and wacky, yet it works for that show. So, um, we're only going to talk about 80s and 90s. Uh, I would have done 2000, but um, I think a lot of stuff was happening in the 80s and 90s where you could pinpoint just all these kind of cool villains um, that kind of paved the way of stuff for it today. So I'm going to kind of start this one. Um, one of my favorite villains, and I'm probably going to get laughed at about this, but I do not care, is Wally Coyote. <laughs> That's a good one. Because he, as, as much as his traps don't work and they always make me laugh, he thinks of the craziest yet weirdest things that work, but yet it all backfires on him <laughs> and it always destroys him. And he continues to come back out. Yeah, I like Wally Coyote. I like the fact that he is so cartoonish and unique and he doesn't give up and I, it's almost the cool thing about Wally Carey I like is the fact that he is clearly intelligent like he's the borderline genius he always thinking about things he's always thinking of these elaborate plots to get the road runner and, and it never works out but it, it, it feels like if he would apply himself to something else he would be wildly successful at that like yes he doesn't have to eat the road runner he can probably come up with his own business and, and, and become a multi-millionaire and buy as many roadrunners he wants to, but he has to get that one roadrunner. Yes. And roadrunner always gets his way, always just zip zooms and gets away. And it's just like every time he falls through a uh, 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 off a hill or something or off an edge, he constantly just falls 
all the way down and you just see that little spiff of smoke. But then he always comes up with a new plan, you know, or it could be a cannonball with a rock in it. And somehow uh, he'll um, let the whoop go. And you think that the rock that's on the cannonball would be thrown. But like sometimes the whole cannonball thing will flip and hit him. And <laughs> on top of, I'm like, this just doesn't make sense. But it's literally funny. Um, but I just feel like he's a great villain because he's persistent. You know, he got that persistent yeah. energy. And it just always makes me laugh every time I watch the shorts and stuff. Like, I don't even focus on Roadrunner. I don't even think Roadrunner is the focus. I think it's always Wally Coyote and how everything backfires. But, hey, you know, it's, it, it it works for him. So, See, um, go ahead. I'm glad you took it there because I wasn't going to take it there at first to those type of characters. But I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did because it adds a lot more diversity to the list. So I will give you somebody different from Wally Coyote, but I think is a cool villain anyway. Skeletor from He-Man. Oh, yes. Skeletor is a fantastic villain. One of the things I always like about Skeletor is the fact that he is not your typical bad guy in terms of yeah, he's muscle-bound and strong, but he's a scientist. He's very smart. He's very intelligent. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing I've always found about Skeletor is he is a trash talker. Oh, yes. He, he stays talking crap to, to his henchmen, to He-Man, to whoever, anybody he can. And it is hilarious the way he talked down to his henchmen. It's that distinctive voice that he have. You know, it's, yeah. you, it's, it tries to be like Cobra, but it's not. Yes. And I like the fact that he has this sort of style that no other villain really has. Like, first glance, if you look at Skeletor, first glance, you would be terrified of him. Mm. He's literally a man with a skeleton face. Yes. But then when you hear him talk, the character of him comes out so much. You're like, this guy's just a jerk. <laughs> he wants to be the ruler of the world, but he's also a jerk enough to be like, I'm going to talk down to you every chance I get and berate you. When you don't want do what I want you to do, yeah, it's 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 always funny because I don't even think Skeletor does any kind of fighting in it. It's always his henchmen doing stuff. Yes, him. Okay, so he's him, a sorcerer. Yeah, that is true. Yes. So he he basically does his like um anytime he does fight he uses his staff and it's more like he does magic spells or curses to to curse He Man, but once. He-Man breaks his staff or something like that. Then Skeletor usually runs off. And I know in the in the cartoon series, the later versions of it, like the 90s version, uh-huh. Skeletor's a little bit more ruthless, and he's like, it's, it's even more cooler. Because they 90s it up. And like 90s and the 2000s versions of the He-Man cartoon, he's a little bit more cooler, a little bit more treacherous. Yes. But the 80s version was great. I love the 80s version of He-Man. I like the fact that, I don't know, did you, did you hear this? They're, they're going to reboot. Well, they're not rebooting it. Kevin Smith is making another He-Man series based off the 80s version. I've seen that on, I guess, and it's, is it coming to Netflix? Yes, it's a continuation of the 80s cartoon to tell basically the final story. It's basically the last season of the 80s cartoon. Okay. Did they ever finish He-Man? No. He-Man was never finished. So they had to show the episode and that was it. 
Like they just yeah, because back then, one, I don't know if people, well, people probably be interested in this. Funimation, the studio that made He-Man, was just making episodes. So a lot of, and they didn't have that much money. So a lot of times they would just recut assets from previous episodes mm-hmm. to make another episode. So they never really fit, because they wanted to make the cartoons cheap and fast. Yeah. That was the whole thing. That's how they got He-Man. They did Brave Star like that. They did She-Ra like that. So a lot of times when you were watching those cartoon shows, you wouldn't really notice it. But there will be scenes cut from the same episode or different episodes in that one cartoon. They'll kind of paste them together. And they, they didn't really have, like the He-Man episode didn't really have a plot point in terms of like a continuation plot. Yeah. So it kind of, when it, when it, end, it just kind of ended. Yeah, because it was just always an episode of He-Man defeating uh, Skeletor and his henchmen, like just trying to stop him. And there yeah. be sometimes it would change up with different characters and everything. Um, but it was always stopping Skeletor. And then that was that week's episode. Yes. And I'm happy that Kevin Smith is going to finish that story, quote-unquote. And I'm interested to see how that turns out. But, I, cause I, but I, He-Man is high on my list on 80s cartoon shows. Not on just 80s villains, but cartoon shows that I love a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really don't know how I got out of He-Man. I think I got out of He-Man because they stopped showing it. Yeah, that's probably the reason why a lot of people stopped watching. They just stopped, eventually they just stopped coming on TV. And back then, for those who were a lot younger than us, back then, um, when a cartoon show ended, there was almost no way to watch it again. Pretty much, yeah. Because yeah, once, once it fell out of syndication, a lot, a lot of these cartoon shows that we loved didn't have them. They didn't have it on VHS or nothing like that. Right. Unless you taped it off of TV. There was no way to watch it again. So once it was off TV, it was off TV. Exactly. Yeah, because the, I think the only cartoon that probably stayed in syndication, and this is going to be crazy to say in it, was Scooby-Doo. Like, for years. Scooby, well, Scooby-Doo and Looney Decades. Tunes. For years. Decades. Just like those two series continually to show throughout the year. Yes. Even after, even after they all aired, and it was just like, dang, it's 1995, and I'm still seeing Scooby Doo. Where are you? Or Scooby Doo yeah. and the gang with with the special guests and stuff with the laugh track. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, they whoever made Scooby Doo has, has made a lot of money off of that cartoon show. That show has literally aired for decades upon decades it, in I, syndication. It's probably was the leading cartoon for Hanna Barbera. Yeah, I was. I would say so. Yeah, Scooby Doo, Yogi Bear. Yeah, that's about it. That's what I think about that. People really watched a lot, right? Because cause even the Flintstones stopped at the time. Like the heck, yeah. the Flintstones. Okay, so yeah. So well, another one of my favorite. <laughs> And yes, I, I got to stick again. Another one with Looney Tunes is Daffy Duck. He is a villain because he is so jealous. <laughs> would, you call of... him a vill- would you call him a villain? Though, yes. Or... He all, he always tried to set up Bugs. He okay. uh, he uh, always was jealous of Bugs Bunny. Even when uh, they went to that cave and they found all the gold. And he was jumping up Bugs and saying, mine, mine, mine. Like, he that was, was all... the Looney Tunes movie, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I yes. That. Like like 
like Daffy Duck is is greedy because he always played second fiddle to Bugs Bunny. No matter what, the, every time they showed up, Daffy is the villain in it. Even though they can have your seventy cent, they can have Emerald Fudd. Daffy Duck was just a jealous character. <laughs> and it, it, I like the. I know what I like about that dynamic. I like the fact that Bugs knew that Daffy Duck was the second fiddle. Yes. And he kind of like messed with him about it. <laughs> and that, that that Bugs Bunny Daffy Duck dynamic was, has always been great and fun to watch. Like it was just saying, yeah, because usually when, if Daffy Duck's in a cartoon with Bugs Bunny, he's typically the villain of the cartoon. Yes. Even if he's not, like when they have like, um, my favorite has always been um, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, and Elmer Fudd. Rabbit season, duck season, it's duck season. Shoot me now! <laughs> and then he'll shoot it like he'll grab his his beak, and it's just like, <laughs> it's just like, how can you be such an idiot? But like you said, the comedy plays so well with it. Yeah, it's a great dynamic, and it feels like um, just they work so well together. And I I can't remember. I know it's Mel Brooks's um. Bugs Bunny, if I'm correct. I can't remember the voice of Daffy Duck. But he is a he does a fantastic job mm-hmm. of being that character. And it just works so well. And they work so good together. Which leads me to my next cartoon character, uh, Tom from Tom and Jerry. He's always tried to get Jerry and he would <laughs> the different animations like the do throughout the years and stuff, Tom has always tried to get rid of Jerry. Uh, I don't know if he's uh, I don't know if he's always been trying to eat him. At first time he's always been trying to eat him. Other times he's just been trying to get rid of rid of him. And uh I do remember with the black maid, uh Jerry took that opportunity to be like to get Tom blamed so he could get kicked out the house or something. And then the maid would look at Jerry, be like, You really were the cause of this. And Jerry would pack up and leave. But Tom <laughs> always would have a trick up his sleeve on trying to get Jerry. You know, the thing about Tom that I like the fact is that. He actually does win once in a while. Yes. And that's the cool thing I liked about Tom and Jerry, even though it kind of felt really dark when he won. Like, oh, that's a dark ending. (laughs) (laughs) But it's always was cool to watch Tom and Jerry and their dynamic and the fact that one, like I said, one, once in a while he'd win. And on top of that, once in a while, they end up being friends. So, yes, I always liked the dynamic of that show. I thought it was always cool to watch it. And I also, let me add to the fact that the fact that show it's cool because it's one of the few shows for the most part there's no talking in Tom and Jerry. That is true. The cats and the dogs don't talk. Well, for the most besides, part, um, Spike talks. Yeah, Spike talks. Yeah. And, that, and, but, the, um, and the wolf. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, Tom and Jerry don't talk. And it's kind of almost like real life in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I like about that cartoon show. It it just it's just oh, yeah, and I, I think like I said throughout the years with this animation, like they always try to 
do something different and but time was always kind of the villain you know because of course it's a cat and mouse so cats always chasing the mice so the cat is kind of like the villain or seeing it some people might think it's the protagonist because people hate mice so you know the cat is just doing his job but it was just yes. like it was always kind of funny to see that every day tom will always try to get rid of jerry um and of course we got with time we got the uh song issue is or issue ain't um, which is an actual <laughs> which is an actual real song but to see him cut out uh the orange and green um shades and made a zoot suit with it so he could see <laughs> sort like that was crazy like that's why i love time you know time out of out of Tom and Jerry, I, I do got to give it up to Tom because he like he, that kind that comedy duo works well, um, and Tom is just a good feeling. He he could he's persistent. He's another persistent character. Yeah. Uh, but what who, who else do you have? Okay, I got to correct something first. It wasn't Mel Brooks. It was Mel Blank who was Bugs Bunny. Yeah. And the next choice I have, I'm gonna go. There's so many places I can go. I won't go to my average choice because there's one choice I'm, I'm gonna save for last. Okay. I'm gonna go Jafar from Aladdin. Ooh, really good choice. I like the fact that you know, one that Jafar is Arab. Yeah. And the fact I like the fact that that during that time you didn't really get these movies with these Arab main characters and things like that in terms of Aladdin and Jafar. In this mystical land that we never thought that we could ever see, and Jafar is just not only was he a genius, he was very smart, yes, and very manipulative. But he was he was cool. He was a cool villain. Like um, he had Iago, the loud talking bird, but he was kind of laid back, calculating. He he knew what he wanted. He manipulated Aladdin to get the lamp, and by happenstance, he didn't get it. Because you know the lamp ended up falling back in, and yeah. but it was a smart plan, it, it, easy to manipulate somebody to get it. And the fact that at the end he kind of got what he wanted, but he didn't—he wasn't smart enough to realize that the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. I thought your father was an awesome villain. Because spoilers for Latin, he won—he wished for all power. And he got that wish, but he didn't realize that wishing for all power means you become the genie of the lamp, and you're cursed to be inside the lamp forever. So you can't. You, yeah, you're all powerful and all magical, but you can't use that power now. Yeah. Like there's there's a there's a genie code that you have to follow once yes. you become one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I love Aladdin. It's a great movie. I think. And Jafar a great TV show. Really cool. Yeah, it was a great TV show as well. And I think Jafar is, one of, uh, is a perfect villain. He's smart. He's calculating. He doesn't have to beat you down to death to show you how awesome he is. Yes. Uh, I love Jafar. Do you have another one? Because I, I gave two. Okay. I'm going to give one that is different from all the ones we gave because it's not from TV or movies. It's from comic books. I'm excited. I'm going to give you Bane. Hmm. Now, the Bane I'm talking about is not from the, the terrible Batman movie that you love. 
Um, I think that's Batman three. and Robin. The one that he, when he got his bat broke. Yeah, I'm talking about that Bane. So yes. that was that was Batman after the after the uh, the, the Christian Nolan Batman. Um, no, no, I'm, on, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about that Bane. I'm talking about the Bane from the comic books. It's the same Bane, but in the '90s, there's a comic book series called Nightfall. Okay, and it was a 12 arc series, and basically what it was is Bane is because the Christian Nolan got it got it almost right, mm-hmm. but Bane is this criminal mastermind who wanted to take over Gotham, but he also went to destroy and defeat Batman. The one way he thought he could destroy this is from the comic book series, by the way. The one way he thought he could destroy and beat Batman was by releasing all the villains in Arkham Asylum and have Batman go out and try to catch them all. And when he did that, because he knew Batman was a man, and Batman's determination would lead, lead him to go try to catch every villain in Arkham. So the yes. 12 arc series tells the story of Batman trying to fill the back Arkham Asylum up with every villain that escaped. He's all of his deadliest rogues, so he's going... Nights in, nights out with no sleep, just fighting and catching all these villains back to back to back to back to back. Till finally, after he catches them all and he gets back home, Bane's there waiting for him. And Batman literally has no energy left to fight Bane. And Bane is literally high on his drugs that make him super strong. So he literally beats the crap out of Batman. And, And the whole in panel was him breaking Batman's back. And it was such a dramatic moment because in that t- in that time we have never seen Batman really get defeated. defeated. Yeah. In that way. And it was such a great moment for comic books. And like I can remember that panel like it was yesterday. Him saying, I, I I now break you and he breaks Batman over his back and he basically takes over Gotham. I I have got to read this book. Cause I've never heard it. I never heard of it. I knew of, I knew of him getting his back broke because people were just talking about it, but I never got to read the comic from that. Uh, and and I can't admit uh, I wasn't reading Batman in the nineties because even though I was watching the TV show and everything, and I always loved Batman, um, I was reading like Spawn in, in the nineties because my. Um, I always had an artistic eye for video games, ads, and the drawings from there. And when I tried to start drawing comic stuff, I always went to Spawn. I never went to Batman. So, Yeah, I thought, and since since we're talking about it, I might as well add Doomsday on the list too, because this happened around the same time. This was around the time when DC was making this big initiative, Mm -hmm. and they wanted to make comic book sales big, so they had two big comic arcs with two of their biggest characters. One was Nightfall, which is the one I just played with about the, the breaking of Batman's back and then having to be a new Batman. And the other one was the death of Superman. Yes. Have you, you ever read that one? That one I did not read. I have the oh. movie. Um, but I th- the death of Superman, I think they they did multiple versions of it, right? Multiple movies, yes. They have... Well, Batman vs. Superman is kind of based off the death of Superman as well. Mm-hmm. Then they had a death of Superman movie that came out in the mid-2000s, I want to say. Yeah. And then they had another one that came out a couple of years ago that is a little bit more accurate 
to the comic book. Right, and I think that's what the that animated because they had an animated one in the style of the Batman Superman uh, art style from the nineties on WB. Um, yeah, that was like the, the first one. Yeah, um, and I think that was around that time with the comic book, and then they did another one with the this new uh, DC animation uh, with it. Um, and I'm I'm assuming that's based off because I think they did one for the new DC. I think they the did 52, that. Yes. Yeah, I think they, they did. did a storyline with that one. Um, but I didn't get to read the original one um, of it. Yeah, it's it's a really good story because it tells it's basically the last Superman story for that time, supposedly because you know Superman is all the superheroes basically got their butt kicked, and Superman's the only one who can potentially stop Doomsday from destroying the planet because Doomsday is this big badass monster who doesn't feel pain and mm-hmm. he adapts to everything and he's destroying everybody he's taking everybody out and then Superman goes out and basically fights him to the death and it's this I remember it specifically because it's this one panel the final panel where they both hit each other so hard they basically they both die from the impact of the blow and you see super, you see Lois Lane holding a bloody dead Superman in the hand crying. It's such a cool, powerful scene. And I remember when it happened. It, for that moment in time, everybody was talking about the death of Superman. Everybody was buying that comic book and it was so popular. It was so out everywhere. And people thought it was going to be this big thing, but the crazy thing about that comic book, they made so many issues of it. Now you can literally find that comic book anywhere for five bucks. Wow. They overmade the issues, yeah. But it was a monumental, great comic book. Mm, yeah, I, that I agree. Yes, I, that I agree. It, 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 comics for me back in the nineties were a hard thing because I did a lot of my book shopping, I should say, at Walgreens. Not going to even knock Walgreens. I got my Game Pro, got my EGM. I was good to go. So I kind of stayed away from comics and stuff because I'm a video game kid. That that was me. Um. But I heard people talk about it. I heard, like, different podcasts. Um, even around that time, I just heard people, like, really talk about it, um, about this comic thing. And uh, because I was still a kid, you know, I couldn't ask my mom for, oh, can you get me the Superman? Because they weren't selling it at Walgreens. That I went to, you know, I always hit when I picked up EGM. $5, no tax. <laughs> and every month at Walgreens, I was getting my EG on my game, bro. Uh, so, uh, I think, <laughs> so, but I, I probably will. I think it's in graphic form, graphic novel. So I'm probably going to order it or, um, I'll probably go check out. Uh, we got a place called the half price bookstore. Um, and they sell gra- a lot of graphic novels and stuff there. So they got some good DC ones. Uh, cause I, Hush, I ordered. I um, I yeah, Hush, I ordered for Amazon because it's our great book. Yeah, really, really good. The movie though, um, the movie is really good. The animated one that just came out, um, they did change some things about it though, uh, compared to um, the ending. Yes, to the graphic. That novel. drove me crazy. I didn't like that part. They changed. And we can't spoil this, everybody, because because it's still new. It's still very at, new. At the time of this it's writing, a good movie. At the, yeah, at the time of this writing, it's still new. But like, 
when you hear this, if you have not picked it up, go and pick it up and watch it. It's really, really good. Um, I, I, I think I'm two, I'm two or three animated uh, DC movies back. I have them, but I need to open them up and put them in my Xbox One. I've been doing all my Blu-ray watching like on my Xbox One. So um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I tried to do it on PlayStation Four, and no, it's, it doesn't work. I'm just like oh. it's too much. <laughs> what you have the X or you have the regular? Xbox I have a uh, Slim. Okay, so you, that's the one that has the HDR then. Yes, it does. So it probably it probably looked better on that one anyway. Then. If I had a TV that did HDR, I don't have a TV okay. that does HDR yet. That my that is my next one to get. Um, it's kind of probably like a twenty three or thirty inch. Whatever, whatever is uh, acceptable um, to do HDR 4K. Um, okay, that's cool. That, it, it, it probably have to be a Sony, but I'm like, oh, that's a $400, $500. Okay, I'll just pay it. Um, but, well, uh, yeah, I'll see. It, it depends on what you're looking for because mine was $400. No, it was $500. And it's a 72-inch. Whew. Well, that's, a, LG. that's a good price. That's a yeah, really good it's price. LG. Oh, LG. Four K yeah. HDR. Nice. Really good. In the, right in your living room. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's where I do my all my gaming, and it looks really good, and it's really cool, especially for like um, Xbox One and the PS4. Yes, it looks beautiful. Of course, you know I'm gonna throw my switch on that mug. Be like, I don't care what anyone say. This game looks gorgeous. <laughs> um well because we we jumped into comics um i really gotta say that i love two-face i there's something i love how he started out being this lawyer and having like this this move for justice but then his personality kind of comes in and switches not just you know him losing his mind over that coin you know, if he loses it and don't know what the outcome is, he would destroy everything in this way to find out that answer because he just can't handle it. Um, but he just he's he's always been like just from the one look of his face to him still having his normal face and him and him like the use of his personality is just so good. Uh like he he can never outsmart Batman, you know. But he is a brute force towards Batman. He's a big threat, you know. And Batman can still consider him as a friend, but will stop him whatever it takes. Yeah, I agree. I, I like Two Face a lot. Two Faces. I like the fact that Two Face is one of those characters that is so conflicted with himself. Yes. He wants to do the right thing. He wants to be a good guy, and I think it. If you guys remember this now, in the animated series, they touch on that. I think at one point in the animated series, he gets cured. He does. And then he ends up going back to the life of crime because he just can't cope with it. And I think that's a very interesting dynamic for a character like him in terms of having his face disfigured. and being, But before he had his face disfigured, he was kind of this lawyer that everybody loved and respected. Then he has this one moment that changed his life, and he's just so twisted and demented because of that moment. And it's such a cool character in it, general. It, it definitely in uh, Batman the uh, the Telltale game. Yes, yeah, they do a good job with it too. Yes, so um, 
And if it, that one is still available, everybody, please go play it. I know Telltale is not around anymore, but hopefully there's a way to get the episodes. Like that game, that I still have it on my Xbox One, all the episodes. And it's really good. I never got to play to the second one. But I heard some things about it, but um, yeah. Because to me, Joker is just, Joker is iconic, you know, as a villain in the comic world. But I feel like he's too easy to choose and discuss. And you could go anywhere with Joker. You could do the animated yes. series. You could do the books. Um, you could uh, do um, the 1970 version, you know, yes. uh, and, and stuff. Um I do love him in the Samurai one when they go back in time to Japan. Oh, that was cool. That one was nice. I love that animation too. That was really, really yeah. good. Then I wonder, did was it Warner or Madhouse? I, I think it was Warner. Ninja okay. Batman, you talking about? Um, the one that uh they ended up in like Fruitero, Japan. Yeah, it's called Ninja Batman. Yes. I think that was Warner. Let me make sure, but I think that was Warner. Because that style of animation is good. I do like that short, too, that they did, used to do on Sundays. Um, like Batman, a uh, Japanese Batman. That one was really good. Because uh, you could see Bane and how they look, how they made Bane, how they made Cat, Catwoman, how they made uh, Joker and stuff like that. It was like a seven-minute short. Um, they, I think that was when they were showing like uh, the Teen Titans and stuff like that. And yeah, those quick shorts. Yes. Okay, I have information on it. It is made by Warner Brothers Animation, but the the script was written by the guy who wrote the script for Afro Samurai. Okay, that's why it has that style. The creator of Afro Samurai played a, in played a big part of making that film. He was also the character designer for the film. So okay. there you go. All right. Yeah. Ninja. I should watch that tonight. <laughs> After this recording. everybody. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. And uh, Mr. Freeze, he, I, I really appreciate Mr. Freeze. I know. I, I think to me, Mr. Freeze, what got me about him was definitely the animated version and hearing the voice actor. Like, hearing his voice, it's just like, man, you literally feel for him. You, I know he's angry and you know he's be revengeful and that's pretty much how a lot of people feel when they lose a loved one. They just want to act out. And But I think his voice really brought that character out, the voice actor of Mr. Freeze. Um, yeah, it's really cool because he's he sounds cold, he sounds calculating, he sounds heartless. Yes, but underneath all that, you know, there's a lot of pain because he lost the love of his life. It's such a it's a such a really cool, interesting, diverse character with so much levels to him. I like Mister Breeze a lot, so yeah, I agree with that choice. Yes. So who do you, who else do you have? Okay, let's see. Do you want me to go obscure? Want me to go well known? You go anywhere you want to go. All right, I'm gonna give you an obscure one. A lot of people might not know this character, but I used to love him as a kid because he was literally terrifying, especially for a kids' cartoon show. His name is Venger. You ever seen this cartoon show called Dungeons and Dragons? Yes, I did. Yes, 
He is the bad guy for that cartoon show. And he is badass. He has one horn and he looks terrified. He wears his robe and he's like this wizard, evil, one-winged guy. And he's so awesome and so cool to look at. And for a kid's cartoon, he is terrifying. Uh, yes, I do remember because, uh, he wasn't scared of anybody or anything. The only thing he feared was this three headed dragon named Tiamat. But otherwise, than that, he would chase after the main characters because he wanted all of their mystical weapons. Because Dungeons and Dragons is an awesome cartoon show about yes. these teenagers who went on this ride and they ended up in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. And each one of them had a specialized power, like one of them had an invisibility cloak so they could disappear. One of them was a ranger, so they had a bow so they could shoot like these kind of like fire arrows out the bow. One of them had a shield that could protect them from anything. It was a cool kid show, but Venture was this dark force. He was a really dark character. Like he killed people on this kid show and everything. And it was such an awesome thing to see in an 80s kid show cartoon. This mm-hmm. badass character with these wings flying through the air and hunting and trying to kill these kids. They make no bones about it. He tried to kill the kids. It was such a cool character. That show was such a diverse cast, though. And it was just like, you got to see representation that you really didn't pay attention, that you really didn't get to see, you know. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, you hit it right on the head, because the the cast was very diverse. It had a, a... the ranger was a man, a, a white man. Then you had a little boy who was the barbarian. Mm-hmm. Then you had a white woman who was, she was like a magician who could disappear or something like that. Then you had another white kid who was another magician. Then you had uh, the guy with the shield who was, he looked like he was kind of Spanish or something like that. Yes. And then you had the the girl who was acrobatic who was a black girl. Yes. It was such a cool cast. It's such a unique, cool cast and cool cartoon show. If you get the watch, it's hard to find. You probably can find it on YouTube. But Dungeons and Dragons cartoon show from the '80s is an excellent cartoon show. I highly recommend people watch it. Uh, I think that's why I love Mumra <laughs> from Dundercats. Just like that's another great one. Uh, I just Mumra like how it's a great one. Yeah, I just like I just like Mumra's design. <laughs> like how he's just like this timid old evil thing, and then he's just like he he reminds me of Ganador Ganis so much. Every time I see him, I'm just like. He, you literally could be a Legend of Zelda character, and I would not be mad at all. <laughs> yeah, like, Mumura was awesome because he looked terrifying. Yes, and he actually he, just, he actually fought Lionel at times. Yes, he was tough. He looked terrifying. He looked like he can beat the Thundercats, and that's what made Mumura really cool. At a time where you had these bad guys who were, yeah, they were bad, but they didn't really touch the good guy. They didn't mm-hmm. really fight him that much. Bumper was a breath of fresh air, and he was a cool character. Yes. Um, one of my... <laughs> oh my goodness, I cannot wait to have this discussion. One of my favorite villains, of course, is Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger's awesome. And reason became, reason being, I think it was Nightmare on Street 3, they had uh, a video game, like, there was in a video game dream in the way that he killed the person. Like, Freddy was co- comedic, but he was still deadly. Like, there was just some, he just had some crazy kills. 
in that very just like wow that's crazy but yet creative and he has some good one-liners and of course each of the movies kind of got a little bit dumb and like stupider in a sense but like i think the first five or the first five the five or six movies that came out um of a nightmare on m street were really really good to me like i just thoroughly enjoyed them yeah, so yeah, I think the Nightmare on Elm Street movies are unique because at a time where you had this silent villain stalking and killing his victims, Freddy Krueger was talkative, loud, brash, and even when he killed people, it was like, huh, that was pretty funny. He was enjoyable. Yes, like in I remember, I think it was Nightmare on Elm Street too when he locked them in the bus. And they were just on this mountain tilting. It was just like, ah, oh, this is crazy. This is fearful and everything. Because, like, Michael Michael Myers and Jason, they they got, you know, their kind of horror crowd and community and stuff. But I just, just like, this, I'm like, this is not scary to me. This is stupid scary, but it's just, it's nothing to be like... Y'all really bring fear and terror. You know, you you walk slow, and somehow, just by happenstance, you are able to kill your victim because they did something stupid, or you know, it was written for them to do something stupid. But not so much with like Freddy Krueger, even though the people were going into the dream world like having dreams because they had to sleep. There was just something that at least gave those kids sometimes a chance to fight back before they die. And each of them were just really different, in a sense. Yeah. I like the fact that the the kills in that movie were so unique and different and so different than every other movie that you were seeing at the time. Like, you had characters like Michael Myers. You had characters like Jason. You had the Sleepaway Camp films. You had so. So movie with that cookie cutter villain where he's a scary silent protagonist who was going around brutally murdering people. Yes. Freddy Krueger was even more scarier to me because his biggest strength is humans' biggest weakness in terms of you have to sleep. You can outrun Jason eventually. Yes. You can get away from Jason. It's gonna be very hard, but you can find a way to escape Jason. You can find a way to escape Michael Myers. Eventually you have to go to sleep. And when you go to sleep, that's when Freddy is going to get you. And no matter how hard you fight, you're eventually going to fall victim to going to sleep. And you're going to have to face him. And you're going to have to figure out a way to defeat Freddy Krueger. And if you don't, you're going to end up dead. Yeah. That's such a cool thing about that character that there is no escaping him. Literally. Like, there's no way to get out of the situation. You have to face him and you have to beat him. Yes. Like, with, like, I, like I said earlier, with, with with Jason, once you find out Jason's at the camp, oh, we can leave and get in the car and get out of there. Now, Pretty much. Yeah. And I know some people are like, oh, let's go investigate. No, you leave. You leave and never come back. You leave, get as far as possible, call the police when you're far away as possible and call the day. It's such like you just want to yell at the black person and be like, what are you doing? You know we're not <laughs> supposed to be here, right? But it reminds me of, um, I think it was Scream 2, I think it was. Where the black guy found out there was a killer and he immediately left, and you didn't see him like to the end of the movie when everything was over. Yeah, <laughs> you like 
smart one. That that that's yeah. that's the smart thing to do. Yes. So. Um. Well, another one. Okay. So, of course, I'll talk about Bowser. Um. Of course, I'll, you can talk about Ganondorf and Mother Brain. But I really still to this day love Mauser. Mauser was from Super Mario Brothers 2 where he would throw these red bombs. And he was just like this mouse with these gla- black glasses on. Um, and he was just so cool. Like he was kind of the representation of a boss in Super Mario Brothers 2. Um, you know, King War is was like the main boss but king Ward didn't really do anything like bowser you at le- least fought him two times and stuff but like just bowser's design just like this mouse is throwing bombs at you you have to catch it and throw it back at him and stuff um while sometimes just like trying to maintain uh the character that you're choosing and just i, I just love seeing him with those glasses on just like uh so cool so yeah, Bowser is one of my uh, favorite villains. Um, of course, Bebop and Rocksteady. Like I cannot deny from the Ninja Turtles uh, cartoon and arcade games and stuff. There was always a great, definitely in um, Turtles in Time for Super Nintendo, um, fighting them on that ship at the same time. <laughs> And sometimes them running and button heads. It was just something about Bebop and Rocksteady that I just I I adore. That I just loved them. And they they probably were like my second favorite like so a show kind of meant for boys in a sense because the first one definitely would be um you know Transformers with Megatron. Like he was, like he is the iconic villain of '80s cartoon. You know, yeah. Like, and he's one of the few villains who accomplished their goal. Yeah, he killed Optimus Prime, and that's the coolest thing about Megatron. Out of all those villains we named, none of them accomplished their goal except Megatron. Yeah, it's. I think yeah, when it comes to like iconic villains, like. You could say out of all the Dragon Ball, the to me, to out of all the whole Dragon Ball series, Frieza is probably number number one because if that arc is long, some people might disagree. But I'm like, if you hear Dragon Ball Z, and if you could think of a villain, and I'm not talking about um, uh, Vegeta or anything like that, because you see how Vegeta turned, but like if you think of uh villain out of just all of Dragon Ball Frieza might come up easily in the mind to say yeah I think the two villains I think of when I think of Dragon Ball the two villains I think come to my head immediately is Frieza and um Cell yes imagine Boo does too a little bit but it's a little weird mentioning him based off how okay he becomes a good guy at the end essentially mm-hmm. yeah so it's kind of like ah uh, would you say the grandpa will also be a villain because he always trying to look at uh, women's panties like he was a pervert? No, <laughs> uh, no he's just a dirty old man. <laughs> <laughs> just like, well, I mean, you did teach you did teach and raise Gohan to, uh, I mean, Goku to be who he is now. But it's just like you are probably a pervert, <laughs> pretty much. So I think that um. 
it's cool to have. Well, the, for Master Roshi is just kind of part of Japanese culture. Almost every Japanese cartoon show or anime has that type of pervy, weird character in it. Mm-hmm. And they always have like it kind of follow those same type of tropes. Like um, Naruto has it too, where they have pervy sage. Yeah, <laughs> Master Jiraiya, and he's this great, awesome fighter. But you'll never know it because he's sitting there like perving on girls and writing these romance novels. I think that's just kind of their thing at that time. But I've always liked the Dragon Ball, and I like the fact that Goku was just this. I'm going to call a spade a spade. Goku's an idiot. <laughs> he is not a bright character at all. His whole thing is that, oh, I want to fight the strongest guy in the world. That's it. And I want to beat the strongest guy in the world. That's his whole character arc and plot. Everything else that happens besides that is just beside the point. Uh, okay, it happened. I don't even think he wanted to have kids. He just had kids because Boba told him, you have to have kids. Yeah. His whole thing is essentially, I want to fight. I want to be the strongest character on earth. Simple as that. That's all he wants to do. And that's all he does. That's his whole character arc and everybody kind of builds around that arc. Like um, at one point they were saying that Gohan was the strongest character in the Z universe. But because he does nothing but studies and learns, he doesn't kind of expire to be that strong of a character. Yeah, true. Yeah. But yeah. So, but... Dragon Ball universe definitely has good characters. Yeah, Goku has the spirit bound though, so he he draws the spirit from all the people and releases and yeah, spirit bomb's awesome. Yeah, um, <laughs> one of my uh good favorite ones, uh, which I don't know why uh this is, but um the hip uh. What's the fight? Uh, no, not not that boy. I'm sorry. Uh, it's M Bison from Street Fighter Two. Oh, M Bison, M Bison, dope. Yeah, he is. I think playing him on level eight on Super on Street Fighter Two, the World Warriors, like the original one. I just despised him. I hated his uh, his slide, his kick, his um, his twirl thing. I'm like, oh, dang it. Uh, do I gotta fight him again? I I hate him, but he is a great villain. Like he is evil. He is powerful. Like he doesn't care about anybody besides himself. He is all about destruction, and I I just love him. You know, even though I hate him. Yeah, and Bison's a cool character because he just feels like somebody who is gonna mess things up like he's hard in the video games and if, have you ever seen the Street Fighter movie that I think it came out in the 90s early 2000s something like that it was a Street Fighter animated movie that came out and the last battle between the movie is him is Bison fighting against Ken and Ryu yes it's such a cool fight when Bison basically takes them both on he's beating their butts and they have to basically team up and work together to defeat him. It's such a cool battle. Yeah. Oh, I love that animated movie so much. Really good. Really, really good. That Sean Lee and Vega fight still gets me. I'm just like, oh, yeah. this is so good. Um, yeah. Which, oh, dang it, Ninja Scroll. Man, I, I 
think like pretty much all the villains in Ninja Scroll, besides the B one, um, are just like, ugh, they're so good. Um, the B one was fine, and the blind one, but that fight was fine. But I just like how the dude with the rock skin uh, comes out, and he is, you know, you see him drinking the blood of the arm. But then there's a point that he is um, doing an act on the princess who is, um, uh, like she, like you know, she if she feels poison, she won't get poison. She's like the cure of it and stuff. And how he's just licking. Licking the girl, that lady's leg, and then uh, licking uh, he uh, um, everybody. This might be a little bit descriptive, but this is a movie from the nineties. He um, uh, puts his uh, hands, two fingers, uh, into her vagina, um, and then pulls it out, and it's just like. He does. He doesn't know that if he touches her, um, he's going to get poison and stuff. So, and by that, he's able to be defeated and stuff. But just the visualization of it, I'm like, wow, this is stuff. This is crazy stuff in the '90s, and it was just like backstabbing. Um, this girl was a wild movie. It was, but it's so it's still a classic to me. I still love watching that movie. Yeah. So, well, we are close to our our remark, so we're gonna give one more villain each. Uh, what is your last like? And it could be your ultimate villain and stuff. But what would be your last villain? I think we didn't give any video game villains no love except Bowser. So I'm going to give the ultimate bad guy from the 90s oh, yes. in video games love. Sephiroth. Yes. Sephiroth. Long, long sword. He kills one of your favorite characters in the game in a brutal way. Ultimate badass. He's such a cool character. He's personifies 90s bad guy in terms of how Oh, he's brooding, but he's so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, Sephiroth was awesome. Felt like he was unbeatable. <sighs> Going through that game, trying to get to him, and uh, he, just an iconic moment in 1997 with him and Aerith. You have, people have heard this on many times of podcasts. But to see her get stabbed with his long knife and just it's visually in your face, even though it's CGI. And we're not even talking about how that will look in the remake. Just seeing it, I was just like, wait, what? Shocking. Shocking and breathtaking in a time where video games didn't do that. Yeah. Video games weren't at that time making you have shock and awe and not be able to believe what's happening on the screen. And Final Fantasy did just that. It gave you an unbelievable moment that was just so shocking and so unbelievable in the fact that they took out one of your main characters to never be seen again at all. Like, once this character dies, she does not come back in the game anymore. That's it. You can't play her no, as her no more. And anything that you use to build her up is just gone. It's straight up gone. 
Yes. And we've known about RPG characters, whether they're your favorite or not, dying in the game or being sacrificed in the game. We know all about that. But then we just never paid attention when it is visually done in a movie like that. You know. Yeah, it was such a cool visual moment. Yes. It was something that you'll never forget. As a, I'll never forget that as a kid that seeing that and the shock of it and like, holy crap. They did that and having to go on from there. Yes. So um so for my last ultimate one and I think this is gonna probably make Devin happy or it's probably gonna shock him that I'm about to say this is Vince McMahon. That's a good one. <laughs> he he was the perfect stereotypical '90s villain. Yes, and I think even in real life, from some people still see him as a villain. The still one iconic moment is when Stone Cold Steve Austin is in a hospital ground and he hit <laughs> with that with that. Uh, with the Peebo or whatever. And it's just like, boing. And it's just like, wow. But yeah, Vince McMahon is probably not knowing that he would be, he would turn out to be a villain, but he's never been a good guy ever since he'd been in the WWE slash WWF back in the days. And I think still to this day, I think there is still people who hold resentment against him in a sense you know and even I think even in real life how people see Vince McMahon some people still thank him or because they got no choice that's the only kind of wrestling that we see but you know I it's really hard to see to say this but today now even though this is not 80s or 90s today now I still think Hulk Hogan is just a villain, you know, and I think what the what he did to Gawker and how that all came about and the stuff that he just ended up doing, it's just like, wow, what happened to you? You had a good thing going for you back in the 80s or 90s. And we don't I don't know if that was because it was a character on wrestling or, you know, this was just him and even when he was doing the nwo stuff that was fine but i'm just like wow i'm just like you mad that you were caught in the wrong and it got reported and you made a business close down for that i'm like even though you were in the wrong so i i feel i kind of think like in a modern villain i'm just like even though that's not 80s or 90s i was just like to see you be a hero back in that time to what happened to you now or to what you did. Well, that was kind of their fault too. I don't yeah. blame all that on Hulk Hogan. I get what you're saying, but they did record him without his permission and post that shit everywhere. That's not cool. Even though Hulk Hogan kind of deserved it. He was a dick. Like, let's but not he, but, be clear. What he was saying was un, was horrible things. That did show people his true colors. But didn't he didn't he record it and it just somehow got leaked to him? No, somebody recorded him privately that he didn't know about. He was messing with his friend's girlfriend, and they were recording him privately to blackmail him. And it got out. It got leaked 
and it ruined it basically ruined his career. Wow. Yeah. Just... It's a crazy situation. Yeah, it is. But then again, he can't change what he said on the tape. He was saying a lot of crazy stuff on those tapes. Oh yeah. A lot of racist stuff, a lot of offensive stuff. So that just goes to show you, even though I think it's messed up they was recording them, be careful what you say in private. Because if it comes out, would you want people to hear it? Like you, you in private saying the N word to everybody and saying all these offensive things, then it gets out that you've been saying that type of stuff. People, are, people are not going to have sympathy for you. Yeah, that that's yeah, True. yeah. That's so, basically what it is. <laughs> so, everybody, that was just some villains uh, from the eighties or nineties. Uh, I kind of want to hear what you guys think about your favorite villains. Um, I know me and my good friend Benji from uh, Part One, how we mentioned some villains and everything. But you know, with me and Delvin, we went through some of our like such as some of our personal favorites. Um, some that you guys know, maybe you haven't heard of these villains or watched these shows, and you might as well want to check them out, which you guys can. But I really want to hear what you guys think. What are some of your villains from the eighties or nineties? Um, TV shows, wrestling, film, anime, cartoons. Um, you know, stuff in the UK. Um, they probably have cartoons that we don't know that is uh that has some villains in it and stuff. Um, kind of want to know what you guys think. You can email the show at myup2comment at yahoo.com. You can also read more of uh, this project, uh, The Beauty of Video Games, at codenameindex.com. Um, hopefully, you guys are enjoying it. Um, also, check out the Devin Cox experience on iTunes. Um, uh, look for his Patreon. You got anything else you want to plug, Delvin? No, just um, check out the Devin Cox experience on any podcasting platform. Also, check out the Skyward cast, if you get a chance, with me and Joey Craig. And if you also get a chance, check out Game You Don't Play. I'm also on that podcast with Chalfie and Sean. So oh, yes. that's the actual video game podcast I'm on, which is pretty cool. Yes. Everybody, have a great week. Have a great weekend. And we will see you next time on Optional Opinion. Bye, everybody. Peace out.